0: So good morning Eastside family, we want to let our children ages 3 through 3rd grade make their way in that direction to junior worship and if you're new here and you have children in that age range then just kind of follow the crowd in that direction. I want to ask the rest of you to take your Bibles and turn back to where we were last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and as you're turning there I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly and that is the offering that we bring to the lord every sunday we're so thankful for your faithfulness in that that we make it possible for you to give your offering and worship god in four different ways you can mail a check to the church address you can do an automatic draft through the bank you can go online to our website follow the instructions from our homepage. Or if you're here in person in the auditorium, you can drop your contribution off there at the table right in the middle on your way out. If you're not here in person, we are honored and humbled to have you here uh, via live stream with us today. 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to be looking again primarily, well, 17 through 34. Let's just say it like that. We're spending four Sundays looking at the topic of the Lord's Supper and what the bible has to say about it in scripture in each of these lessons as you can tell we haven't had communion yet each of these four lessons the final one will actually be on easter sunday each of these four lessons are setting the stage for preparing our hearts for communion and our reason for this is just to be reminded of the purpose and the manner of the lord's supper and to realign ourselves more to the biblical sense of what God intends for this incredibly sacred moment to be. And so, with that in mind, those of you that are live streaming with us, we don't want you just to watch. We want you to participate in So I won't know if you get up from where you are right now. Go ahead and and get whatever emblems you can of juice and bread that are possible. At the end of this lesson, we're going to take communion and we would like to do that with you as well. And one other kind of business note connected to the Lord's Supper I want to mention. I announced this last week. We are still in need of volunteers to help us with these tables. It's really simple. Set them out. With the trays and cups on them and then to take them down we've got a couple of volunteers but what we want is thank you for them we don't want this to be the responsibility of one person only we'd like to have a number of people so that it can be on a rotational basis and so if you would like to serve in this way you can let me know or even better you can let Sarah in the office know So last Sunday, we're looking at the one passage that I would say is like the main go-to. If you've ever heard anything about the Lord's Supper, you've heard from this passage. But we're looking at a little expanded version of it. It gives the most explicit instructions for the Lord's Supper and as, I, as, we, as we noticed last week, Paul didn't just say, well, you know what, I think I've got some space in this letter. I'll write about the Lord's Supper. He wasn't just randomly writing about communion. There was a problem that he was correcting with the church in Corinth. And sadly, it related to their communion service. And that problem was characterized by there was a, a divisiveness among the Christians in the church and this was really displayed when they had the Lord's Supper together in their communion time there was a disrespect there was a disregard there was even an ignoring of other people in the church body which in turn was a disrespect and disregard for the memory of Jesus' body on the cross because in that moment that's what was supposed to be pivotal that their minds would be focused on but they were not discerning the body of Christ the church nor the body of Christ that was given on the cross. And this was so severe, as we saw last week, Paul said, you may think this is communion, but this is not communion at all. And it was so serious to God that God even, this was the hard part of this passage, stepped in with a very harsh punishment for many of the Christians in Corinth to help awaken them to the holiness and the reverence and the sacredness of our worship before God. And so now that we've taken a look last week at the problems in the church in Corinth associated with their communion service, we want to go back to this very same passage and read it again, and our primary objective today is, well, what's the solution? You've told me the problems, thanks a lot. What's the answer? You've told us what not to do. What are we supposed to do? You've told us what is wrong, and so we want to look at what is right. And if you've been in church world long at all, you've heard a lot or seen a lot of opinions about how the Lord's Supper is supposed to be done. As a matter of fact, as you're going to hear in a minute, there's a verse that says in verse 26, as often as you eat this bread, and some will ask, well, how often is that supposed to be? Some will suggest, well, it has to be once a week and it has to be on Sundays. I remember taking communion to a a friend of mine who was in the hospital, and it was on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. They wouldn't take communion with me because it wasn't Sunday morning. I remember one time on the Wednesday before Easter Sunday, I thought, okay, we won't do it on Thursday, but we're all together. We'll have a Passover Seder. We'll do communion together. A guest was with us that Wednesday evening, and, and that guest came up and strongly rebuked me for having communion service on a Wednesday night and not on a Sunday as it's supposed to be. Even though it's interesting, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. It was on a Thursday night. I'm pretty sure of that. Some will dispute that, but it was definitely not on a Sunday. And just my personal feeling about that is, is I believe that it is at a memorial. I cannot imagine Jesus in heaven looking down upon us on Thursday and saying, nope, nope, nope. It has to be on Sunday when you remember my death on the cross. It is a memorial. Well, some will say it should be every Sunday. And no, it shouldn't be just every Sunday. It should be every day of the week. They will take you to Acts chapter 2. Notice how often they broke bread. Some will say, well, it should be quarterly or it should be monthly Others will say that communion should be closed to baptized members. Of, some of you asked me that question last week. It should be closed to baptized members of the church only. It should be closed to children as well. Which is interesting. I just got through with the Passover Seder with our children, their children's ministry. Passover was all about children. It was all about their participation and their involvement. And that was setting the stage for the Lord's Supper. Again, I can't imagine Jesus in heaven looking down upon us and saying, I don't want those kids thinking about and remembering my death on the cross. I don't want those unbaptized people being invited to what I did for them and remembering that. It's a memorial. Some will say, well, it should be open communion. And then some will insist, this is wrong. The trays are okay, but we're supposed to be passing the trays. And you know why? Because that has been such a fixed thing in our heritage for so long. It's become a fixed law. You're supposed to be passing the trays. And then some will go even further. And not only are you supposed to be passing the trays at communion, but there's supposed to be a table. Where is the table? You remember most of you do. A lot of you do the table. Where is the table where the trays are supposed to be? What are you doing with the table and the trays back in the back? The table and the trays must be in the front. Somebody argued this with me. And their reason was, Eddie, have you ever been to a funeral? Where's the casket? It's down front. They meant that seriously. Some will say only men should serve the trays. Others will say women can't serve food at the church in a meal. They can't serve in this way. Some will say that when we're communing, when we have communion, we're supposed to be interacting with one another, it's a time of communion. Others will say no. There should be no talking. It's supposed to be a quiet time of personal reflection. Some will say that at communion the bread actually turns into the literal body of Jesus. And that the the blood, the, the juice turns into the literal blood of Jesus. And therefore at communion it is a sacrifice again of the body and the blood of Jesus. This is called transubstantiation which stands in contrast to truths that we see in scripture. Some will say no that's really not true. It's it's just that the bread and the cup they are symbols they just represent his body and blood and some will say that's right but you've got to follow scripture. It has to be one cup only. Some of those churches I don't know if they call themselves that but they're known of as the one cuppers and they will take you to Jesus with his disciples. He didn't say everybody take these little cups. He said he took the cup and he told them to all drink from it. How strict will we be with Scripture? Some will say, well, the juice must be taken from grapes, fruit of the vine. Someone told me this week that their family was at home and they drank cherry juice for communion. Some will say, well, that's okay. Some will say, that's not okay. Some will say, well, the bread, it doesn't matter. They were just eating the bread that they had of that day. It can be leavened bread. It can be unleavened bread. Others will say, no, it has to be, as, as we shared in our Sunday school class today, one loaf of unleavened bread, which is interesting for me. I'll just be really transparent here. I lean towards, I feel like the biblical model is some type of fruit of the vine with unleavened bread. But I'm... Not consistent because I'm not going for the one cup aspect. As a matter of fact, if we were to conclude that, then I would draw back to that passage I shared with you last week where the preacher should go first in line. There's no way I'm going to be at the end of that line. There's all kinds of stuff you can find in Scripture if you're looking for it. And then probably one of the most helpful pieces of insight that I got on communion from one of our more progressive members, he sent me this picture as a solution for improving our communion service, suggesting that we have chocolate-covered matzah crackers, talking about taking it to the next level. And then he sent a follow-up picture. This is how you can take the matzah bread while you're on the go in the car. And Brad's not even here today. I don't see him. And that's funny. But you know what's sad? is, In in our attempts to get it right, we've developed these restrictions and these rules that have in turn led to dividing the body of Christ instead of what this supper is intended to do which is to bring us together and in the attempt to Get it right, it's possible that we've lost sight of its very purpose and meaning. This must grieve the heart of God. So, what is right? Let's ask God. He shared with us the problems here in this passage. We pick up now in verse 23. And let's read this as we prepare to go for communion this morning. For I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? You should have been here last Sunday. We talked about that. Verse 28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. What in the world does that mean? We talked about that last week. Verse 31, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned by the world. So then, this is what I'm getting at, he's saying. My brothers and sisters, when you eat, when you gather together to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat at home. Eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. There's a load of stuff there. I've given it to you to discuss in your life groups. I'm just going to hit some bullet points here and I'm going to divide this into three areas. I'm going to call them three areas of focus. What we're going to do this morning is, is, has a focus in three directions. A focus on the past, a focus on the present. And a focus on the future. First of all, in the Lord's Supper, there's a focus on the past. It's clear in Scripture that what we're about to do is a commemoration. In chapter 11, it says it twice in verses 24 and 25. Do this in remembrance of me. When we take communion, we, we look back. And certainly, that's what, what uh, we did in, in Sunday school with the kids uh, at grades 5 all the way down to preschool I guess we look back we went all the way back to Egypt centuries ago and we remembered together the Passover and God freeing his people from Egypt and we participated we were looking back and remembering but it's not just a looking back and remembering the Passover but that which the Passover was pointing to in this moment of communion we look back and we remember Jesus death on the cross that's the purpose of the blood the cup that we take reminding of his blood that's the purpose of the bread reminding us of his body and so as we read in verse 24 as Jesus took the bread he took the cup and he gave thanks we look back and we say thank you it's like a thanksgiving meal for what he's done in the past but also as we look back we see in verse 25 that we look back at the mutual covenant that we made with God he says in verse 25 this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In this moment, we look back and remember, God made a promise to me. God kept that promise. I am forgiven. I am his child. We remember that as we look back. We look back and and we remember, not only did God make a promise to me, but when I gave my life to God in baptism, I made a promise to him. To fully surrender myself to him. I remember his promise. I remember the promise that I have made. I think that's incredibly important because in the busyness of our lives that are so distracted and there's so many negative influences, there's so many things that cause us to doubt and question our salvation, question our relationship with God, question our forgiveness. We have this reminder that says you never forget. You are forgiven by God. You are a child of God and you have made a commitment to live by that identity. That's what we look back and remember in communion. But communion is also, it's a focus on the past, but it's also a focus on the present. What has happened in the past has meaning for us in the present. And this is where the majority of activity of the Lord's Supper occurs here, in the present. First of all, it's a communion with Christ. We touched on that last week. We're not just remembering somebody who lived, did some amazing things and died, story over. We are looking, we are communing with someone who is here. We sang that today. He is here, he is now, he is present. He is the host. He is the one who invites us to the tables that are now prepared for us. When we take communion, we look back and remember. But when we take communion, we look up. We commune with him. But secondly, it's a communion as well with one another. and So, we look around. And this was really the primary point last week where we we're told to discern the body of Christ in this moment. It's not just talking about, don't forget His body on the cross as you eat the bread, as you drink the cup. But it's a discerning, a thinking about, a consideration of the others who are here with respect and acknowledgement and care for them. And that's why he tells us in verse 33, wait and eat this together. You see, we don't come together to be alone. I say that because some do. We come together to commune with Christ, which in turn brings us to commune with one another who is here with us in the present. And then also with our focus on the present, it's a time of of self-examination. So we're looking back and we're remembering. We're looking up, we're communing with him. We're looking around and we're communing with one another. But there's also a time of self-examination. And so we're looking within. He writes here in this passage, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. So what am I supposed to examine? Well, as we're looking back at the promise that we made to him, it's a time to ask yourself, am I keeping that promise that I made in the past? Am I keeping it in the present? As I look up to him and as I commune with Christ, it's an opportunity for me to ask, what is my relationship with him like right now? It's a self-examination. Am I truly following Jesus with my life and is this an opportunity for us to look around it's a time to, to, at one another it's, it's a self-examination what are my relationships like with other members of this body am I living in love with you all are there some of you all that I have hurt that I need to make that right are there some of you all that have hurt me and I'm just ignoring you I need to examine myself before I take communion. And I think for those of you who are here who do not know Jesus is Lord and Savior, it's a beautiful time to have a self-examination to ask where do you stand today in your relationship with Christ? As you are invited to take these emblems that represent this incredible gift that he gave you, it's an examination of have you given your life to him? And then also as we focus on the present, there's more. It's a time of proclamation. Notice in verse 26 it says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. And so in this moment, if I could say this, it's a proclamation. And we are looking back. We are looking up. We're looking around. We're looking within. But we're also looking without. Without. And I mean by that, outside of our fellowship of disciples. To those who are not within the body of Christ, His church. And to them, in this moment, we are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Communion is an active, living proclamation and display of the gospel of Jesus. Proclaiming to others this incredible truth that God became man. He came to this earth. And died on the cross to take your place as our Passover lamb, as your Passover lamb. I love the phrase here, this is for you. Put your name there, this is for you. That you might be forgiven and have salvation. He was buried and three days later as we will celebrate in two Sundays, he rose from the dead giving you hope of eternal life. This is the message in this moment that we proclaim to those of you who are in person that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior or those who are with us live streaming that as you are invited to this table to partake of these emblems that you would hear his invitation to take Jesus Christ on as your Lord and Savior. Through your obedient response of, of faith through repentance and confession of Him as Lord and baptism in Christ. There is a lot that happens in this moment, in the present. There is also, in this time of the Lord's Supper, we focus on the future. In verse 26 we read whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death and notice this now until he comes and so we look ahead to his coming. The story is not over. As Jesus had his the first Lord's Supper as we would call it with his disciples he told them in reference to the cup. Drink from it, all of you. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. You hear that. We're looking ahead. There is an anticipation of the eternal kingdom of God. He describes it as this incredible feast. John in Revelation 19 has a vision of this incredible feast. It is the wedding supper of the Lamb that we are going to experience. And so you could call this the... The rehearsal dinner. These are the hors d'oeuvres. And we can only imagine what the main dish seated at his table with the multitudes will be. Oh, we focus on the future. We look ahead. So, what aspect of the Lord's Supper is not covered here? Of our lives is not covered here? Everything that you're concerned about, the Lord's Supper touches. Your past, your present, and your future. We look back, we look up, we look around, we look within, we look without, we look ahead. There's no direction that we can look to our, in our lives that this sacred meal doesn't speak into. This is huge. And so as we take communion together this morning... There are two ways we're making it possible for you. Obviously, there are the tables that you're invited to come to in a moment. If you would like to take communion at the tables, there are also, for those of you that prefer to stay seated, there are communion kits at a table here in the middle of the auditorium. There's the table, and there's communion kits there. You're welcome to pick up one of those. And those of you that are live streaming, I just want to repeat it again. I never want you to feel like you're just watching us. We want you to certainly participate with us. So I'm going to give you some special instructions. It's not like, and from now on, it's always going to be like this. This is just for today, so as not to confuse you. As we saw last week, especially, and and also today, as communion has a, a sacred nature to it. I'm going to ask that as you go and get your communion kits, or as you go and and go to the tables, that that be a period of silence. This was actually a suggestion by one of our life groups that um, that, that there be a period of silence as we discern the body of Christ, Jesus' body given for us on the cross. I want to encourage you to take the bread, take the cup, but don't eat it yet. Back away, let others come to the table and hold it. Because another life group said, could we not just do this together? It said you should all eat together. And I know we can be technical about that, but just as a symbolic expression of that, hold the bread, hold the cup, and then when I observe that everybody is taken from the table or from these kits uh, at these two available places, I will say a prayer, and then after that prayer, we will share in communion together. And I just want to also say that as you're going to the tables, you're going to hear a song and see the video of it on the screen. It's not, let's just play some random song. It is a beautiful song that has one intended purpose, to help us focus our thoughts. I would encourage you to listen to these words, even if you're able, from where you're standing or seated. I would encourage you to um, follow along with the words, read along with the words that are there on the screen. Now, the second part of the instructions upon the phone ring, the next thing I want you to do, <laughs> the next thing I want you, after we say a prayer, we've been silent, after the prayer, then I'm going to encourage you to discern the body, the church. Silence will then be broken. I want you to hug somebody. I want you to tell somebody you love them. I want you to greet somebody. I want you, I would ask you to, I want you to, I want to ask you to share a blessing with someone. If you know there's someone here that needs your prayers, Go and pray with them. If you're one of those people, ask somebody to pray with you. Our shepherds are here, but it doesn't have to be them. I want this to be the time. First of all, time of silence. Reflect on the body of Christ on the cross. Take the cup, then afterwards we'll break the silence. And as you're on your way back to your chairs, let's greet one another. And then the praise team will come up here. And when they start singing a song, that's your cue to be seated. Would you stand with me now? As we go for communion, I'll pray first. Father, in the quietness and in the sacredness of this moment, as we stand on holy ground, we come to commune with you. And we look back today and remember this incredible gift that you gave us of your life on the cross. Father, it is our prayer that this will be far more than a memory of the past, but it will be something to impact our lives in the present as we anticipate the fulfillment of this meal with you in your eternal kingdom. Lord Jesus, we hear and respond to your invitation today to join you